In Ephesians 2, we read in verse 3, Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And in Romans 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And in chapter 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. These and other passages of Scripture are the basis of our instruction in Lord's Day 4. Doth not God then do injustice to man by requiring from him in his law that which he cannot perform, not at all. For God made man capable of performing it. But man, by the instigation of the devil, and of his own willful disobedience, deprived himself and all his posterity of those divine gifts. Will God suffer such disobedience and rebellion to go unpunished? By no means. But is terribly displeased with our original as well as our actual sins, and will punish them in a just judgment, temporally and eternally, as he had declared, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Is not God then also merciful? God is indeed merciful, but also just. Therefore his justice requires that sin which is committed against the most high majesty of God be also punished with extreme, that is, with everlasting punishment in body and soul. The boys, the boys, look at me once. Sit still. Understand? Otherwise I take you here to the pulpit. In this uh, Lord's Day, beloved, uh, we really have positively uh, the taking away of every possible excuse and not to come to Christ and therefore to be partakers of the only comfort in life and in death. The sinner always tries to get away from God and tries to get away uh, from Christ for the same reason. He knows that he is sinful, of course he does. He knows that he's lost, uh, but nevertheless, he tries to find some way whereby he can excuse himself 
whereby he can possibly find another way than the way of the only Savior Jesus Christ, the only name given unto heaven whereby man must be saved. That's the idea of this fourth Lord's Day. Three, especially three, uh, such excuses are mentioned in this Lord's Day. The first is that God cannot hold man responsible for his sin because he cannot perform the law. God must be satisfied with that. The second is that God cannot really punish him. The third is that God probably must punish him if it were not for his mercy. God is merciful. And therefore he cannot stand uh, to torture his creatures and to punish them everlastingly in hell. And the Hardenburg Catechism has the purpose uh, by presenting these excuses of the natural man uh, to show that there is only one way and that is Jesus Christ. He puts all the other uh, all the other possible imaginary ways out of the question and leaves only one way open. The only comfort in life and death that we belong to our faithful Savior Jesus Christ. There's another remark which I wish to make in connection with this Lord's Day. You know, in the first question and answer you again deal was the question of responsibility. God cannot punish me because I'm not responsible. And I want you to notice especially that that question of responsibility is always presented in a wrong light in order to distort two fundamental important truths of that. The first of those truths is God's counsel. God's eternal counsel. God's predestination. God's election and reprobation. And those that present that question of responsibility in the wrong light, as they always did in history, nothing new, beloved, there's nothing new, remember that, nothing new, already at the time of Augustine, they had the same thing in the fourth century. Those that present that question of responsibility in the wrong light say, yes, we believe in the counsel of God and we believe in election and reprobation, but man is responsible. We say, yes, we believe in the counsel of God, in election and reprobation. And therefore, man is in the highest sense of the word responsible. 
Then it's not so much the uh, question here, this last day, but the question here concerns total depravity. And that's another truth uh, that is gainsaid by the same people that emphasize responsibility and the wrong light. They say, again, yes, we believe in the total depravity of man. We believe in original sin and original guilt and original corruption, but man is also responsible. They put the two over against each other. And the result is, beloved, that as soon as they put the two over against each other, you cannot avoid denying the total depravity. Here, in this Lord's day, mind you, especially in the first question and answer, also in the others, but especially the first one, the Arabic Catechism teaches, yes, we believe in total depravity. We believe that man is not only totally depraved, but he always was. That he's born in total depravity. That he cannot love God. That's what this uh, Lord's Day emphasizes. And therefore, nevertheless, Therefore, because man is totally depraved, we justify God in his righteousness. That's important to see that, especially in the light of this present situation again. Don't you ever uh, trust those that always say we believe in the counsel of God, but... And those that say we believe in total depravity, but that's corrupt. And therefore, we must speak to you in general, covering the whole Lord's Day. It's not so important that I have to discuss question by question. The whole Lord's Day, I can uh, subsume under the heading... God's attitude over against sin and the sinner. Righteous, wrathful, just. That follows the Heidelberg Catechism. God's attitude over against the sinner is righteous. That is maintained over against an objection here. The objection is of the sinner. The objection is this. I am incapable of keeping the law. God demands of me that I shall keep the law completely, perfectly. Otherwise, it says to me, cursed. Cursed is everyone uh, that abideth not in all that is written in the book of the law to do it. The demand of that law is uh, not any outward thing, then probably I could attempt to keep it. But the demand of the law is that I love the Lord my God. That I cannot do. I have no control over my own heart. I cannot say to my heart, love, when there is hatred in my heart, 
and hatred there is. I may camouflage the thing and say that I'm pretty good and that I love the Lord, but when I come to think of it, when I come to analyze that love, when I come to analyze it in such a way that I stand before the precept of God, of God that is God, then I say, no, I don't love him. I don't love his word. I don't love his law. I don't want it. I don't want it. I want my own way. I can't help that. I'm not responsible. Moreover, it's not only so that I am totally depraved. I am corrupt. That I cannot love the Lord my God. But I never was any different. I never was any different. As long as I can think back, I was the same way. My nature was never any different than it is now. And therefore, I know uh, that I was born this way. Moreover, I know by experience uh, that I was born this way together with all the other men. I don't know any other man. Now therefore, seeing that I have no control of my own nature, no control of my own heart. No control of my own birth. Seeing that I was born totally depraved. I can't help it. I'm not responsible. And God does do me an injustice. He's not righteous. If he holds me responsible for keeping his law. That's the question. How to answer it, beloved? It's important. In the first place, we must always answer this question in this way. Always, principally, first of all. God forbid that I should ever indict him of being unjust and unrighteous. That first of all. That must be our principal answer. We must always begin with God. We couldn't do that if he did not have his word, if he did not have his revelation, but now we have and we must. Beloved, we can never summon God before the bar of our pretended justice. Never. We can never call God before the bar of our reason and say and judge whether or not he is righteous. God forbid that we should ever attempt anything like that. That is principally a denial of God. They must always start with it. Whether I can see it, or whether I cannot see it, whether God revealed it to me, or whether I did not reveal it to me, this is your 
God is righteous in his judgment. There's no question of it. And not only that, but the time will surely come when he shall justify himself. I do not have to justify God. I do not have to justify God over against sin. I cannot anyway. I do not have to justify God's counsel over against sin. I do not have to justify God's providence over against sin. I do not have to justify God's righteousness over against sin. The time will come when God himself shall clearly reveal his righteousness and his justice unto all the creatures. For that time, I will have to wait. That first of all. But, in the meantime, I may never, never, never summon God before the bar of my pretended justice. God is just, not I. God is just, no matter how it may seem. I know that. But that's not all. That's not all. The Herbert Catechism gives an answer to that question. And again, the answer really depends on uh, the Word of God, not on us, not on our reason, then it because it would be impossible. But, the Albert Catechism answers this. God made man capable of performing the law. You cannot say to God, I'm incapable. If I give a man $3,000 to buy me an automobile and he comes back without the automobile, I ask him, what did you do with my money? And when he says, I lost it. When he says, I squandered it, I maintain that he is still responsible to bring me the automobile or to return the money. That, in a way, is the first answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. The first answer. Such a man cannot say, I cannot pay you. I cannot bring the, auto, the automobile. He squandered it. That's the answer of the Catechism. God made man capable. We've seen that in the past. How did it make how did God make man? He made him good. Good, ethically good, spiritually good, good in the sense that he was observing to his purpose. He could reach the purpose where with God had created him. He was good. He was so good that God made him after his own image. He was standing in the light of the perfect knowledge of God. He was standing in the perfect righteousness. There was no sin in him. There was no corruption in him. He was standing in purity and holiness of nature. 
so that he certainly could reach the purpose of his existence to serve and glorify his creator. That's the way God made it. Moreover, God gave him all kinds of things. The whole world. Every creature was means to him to serve God. He reigned over all things in order that he might bring all creation to God. That was his captain. That was the money God gave him. God gave him holiness, righteousness, perfect knowledge, goodness, all creation, and said to him, here is your capital. Work with it. And glorify me with it. That's the way to are. No man has lost it. He lost the capital. Can he now say to God, I've lost it. Have it no more. I'm not responsible. Or must he say to God, I was created good and with all kinds of gifts and I squandered them and now I'm in the highest sense of the word responsible to go to hell. That's the question. <coughs> but you say, but he says, he will say, yes, yes. That's philosophy. I say, no, that's not philosophy at all. <coughs> that's scripture. But he was saying, nevertheless, listen, it isn't true what you say. I did not have that capital. I didn't have it. Never had it. I was born as I am. Can I help that? Beloved, the answer of the Hadleburg Catechism and the answer of Scripture is very, very humiliating. Very humiliating. It's hard to swallow. The natural man will never swallow it. He will always rebel. The natural man is principally a Pelagian, a nominalist, an individualist, if he likes to be, if it suits him, is a Pelagian and an individualist. And he will say, I am my own master. I stand and fall my own master. But the Bible says, no, sir. The Bible says, no, sir. That's not true. Yes. You're born in sin. You're born with a corrupt nature. But listen, in the next question and answer, the Harbour Catechism says, God punishes you even for that. God punishes you even because you're born in sin. The scripture. God punishes you for your original as well as for the actual sin. That's scripture. You're not an individualist. No, sir. The Bible says no. You do not stand and fall your own master. Don't you believe it? Your responsibility is not only individualistic. 
It is not. You, if you say, you're, all, you're your own master, then you also say that principally over against God. And then the slogan of the wicked French Revolution will be yours. Ni Jew, ni matter. No God, no master. No, sir, that's not the truth. Oh, that's why, that's why the Heidelberg Catechism does not say God created you good and after his own image, but God created man good and after his own image. Man, man, man. Man. How did he create man? Did he create man as a group of individuals? No, he didn't. He created man in the first place as a corporation, as a legal corporation. In Adam, as the head, or the legal head of the corporation. The scripture, that's Romans 5, all the way through. Besides, if you do not have scripture, beloved, you have no, you have no explanation anyway for sin. You have no explanation for sin. But this is scripture. By one man, sin entered into the world, and death, death through sin, the punishment entered into the world through the sin of that one man. While one man sin entered into the world, then death through sin. And so death passed upon all men, because all have sinned in that one man. That's good. Let's understand that, beloved. That is reality. God created man a corporation, not a multitude of individuals. And the whole corporation is responsible in the one man. There is Corporal responsibility. Moreover, God created man an organism with all the members of the human race as branches of the organism and adding the root. And so, not only guilt, but also corruption spread throughout the human race. What do you say? Do you still say that, that that's God? That's God that says that. God says that, beloved. The Bible says that. Uh, this is no philosophy. This is scripture. Revelation. Nothing else. What do you say? You still say, yes, but uh, I'm an individual, and God had no business to create me in the corporation of the human race and in the organism of the human race. God had no business to create me an organism and a corporation. You say that? And then... Oh, you don't, of course. You don't. I know you don't. But probably this man that objects in this Lord's day will say that. And then the only answer and the only final answer you can give is, Who art thou, O man, that answerest against God? There's no other answer for such a man. No other answer. 
But we say, oh yes, the word of God is true. I am responsible in the corporation and in the organism with which, in which God created the human race. I am responsible for my original as well as for my actual sin. O oh God, O oh God, be merciful to me. And God will say to you, I am merciful to you who possess the only comfort in life and in death that you belong to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, the head of a new corporation and the head of a new body in which you are grafted in by my mercy through faith. That really controls this entire Lord's Day, beloved. That really controls this entire Lord's Day. Then the rest, if you admit this, I you will. Of course you do. I do. And you do. Admit this, then the rest is easy. Can God punish? Does God punish sin? The catechism says yes. God is terribly displeased. That's a very weak word for the original. The Dutch has, and that is also the original German. God vertoorn zich schrikkelijk. God is terribly filled with wrath. Against both our original and actual sins and in his wrath he punishes them temporarily and eternally as it is written cursed is everyone and so on. What is God's wrath? God's wrath, beloved, briefly, is the reaction of His holiness. The reaction of His holiness against sin and the sinner. God is holy. And that God is holy means uh, that he is good, that he is the only good, uh, that is the implication of all ethical perfections. And that therefore he seeks and wants himself as the only good we could say the highest good, as you used to say, but even that is not correct, beloved. God is not the highest good, he is the only good. The only good, the absolute good. God seeks himself, in himself, and in all the creature, as the only good. That's God's holiness. And of course, sin is the very denial of that holiness. The very denial. The sinner says, God is not good. I'm good. The law of God is not good. My lie is good. I seek the lie. I seek corruption. I seek iniquity. I seek darkness. That's good. 
That's what the sinner really said. In all his way, in all his work, in all his thoughts. So, God's holiness is certainly not in all his thoughts. It tramples under the foot. And the reaction of that holiness of God is to punish the sinner. That is, the sinner who says to God, Thou art no good, but I am, that sinner God causes to be miserable. And thus, by causing him to be miserable, to suffer, he causes him to know whether he wants it or not, that God is good and he is not. That's punishment. That punishment of God by which he causes the sinner to feel miserable in his body and soul, in mind and will, and all his life, until he finally lands in hell, the outer darkness, the place where man eternally acknowledges negatively that God is good in his misery, that punishment is over his actual sin as well as over his original sin. Oh, that's scripture, isn't it? Oh, think the punishment of God is not only not only in hell, beloved, it's right, it's right here. Hell is the consummation. Hell is the, the final consummation of the punishment. The wrath of God, the reaction of His holiness, the flash, the flash of God's holiness against the sinner that destroys him, that's ultimately in hell, but it's here too. That's scripture. Oh, think of Romans 1. Think of Romans 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven over against all uh, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Think of that. That's all, chapter. God makes man miserable by punishing sin with sin. He makes the corrupt sinner more corrupt. He makes the iniquitous sinner more iniquitous. He makes the vile sinner more vile. He casts him down into the mire of corruption in which he wallows until destruction is the inevitable end. That's true of the individual and that is true of the world, beloved. That's true of the world. All the world as it is nowadays is a proof of that very fact. Man without God seeking peace and finding war and terrible destruction everywhere. That's the history of the last 40 years, beloved. Man seeking peace without God and God blowing into that attempt with his wrath and creating war and more war and worse wars all the time until destruction is the end. That's reality. That's God. God's wrath is revealed from heaven over all iniquity and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in ungodliness. That is correct. And finally, of course, there's no end to God's wrath. And there's no end to His punishment. There's no end to the creature. The creature cannot be annihilated. Reverently speaking, beloved, the creature cannot be annihilated. 
God called him by his word and there he stands and there he stands forever and the creature in his sin is the object of God's wrath forever there's no common grave don't ever think so the wrath of God is against the sinner every day God hates the workers of iniquity. There is no common grace whatsoever. And all the philosophy of common grace is thoroughly unscriptural. Hell. Hell. Eternal wrath is the only end of the sinner without Christ. Oh, the sinner has another excuse. He says, yes, but God is merciful. Is not God also merciful? And the answer is yes, 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 indeed. God is merciful. Mercy is, beloved. Mercy in God is the will the eternal will of God to know himself as the blessed one. That's mercy in God. God is the most blessed. And he knows himself to be the most blessed. He knows himself, let me put it this way, he knows himself as the only blessed God, the only blessed one. And he wills, he wills himself to be most blessed. He wills himself to be the only blessed. That's his mercy. And his mercy to the creature is that he wills the creature to be blessed for his own name's sake. Never, never apart. From his own name. That's impossible. And therefore, the Albert Catechism answers, yes, God is indeed merciful. But, and that's a but indeed, but, that's the but over against the sinner, beloved. That's the but over against the sinner. God is indeed merciful. But he's also just. And therefore, not over against the sinner, but, over, but in harmony with the scriptures, we now eliminate that but and say, God is merciful because he is just. All the virtues of God are one in him. His truth, his holiness, his righteousness, his knowledge, his wisdom, his power, his justice, his mercy, his grace are all the same. And therefore, in God, there is never any but there is, a, there is never any but in God. In God, it's always and, 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 all one. God is just and merciful and righteous and gracious and loving and knowing and all the virtues of God are absolutely one in God. And, and, and never any but. So, don't you say, don't you ever say, Oh, I appeal to God's mercy over against his justice. You can never do it. He is merciful and just. He is merciful because he is just. If it were not just, if it were not righteous, he could not be merciful. Because his mercy is the will to bless the creature for his own name's sake. Beloved, don't you see? Don't you see that you are blessed? 
as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, only do you see that the Catechism has absolutely cut off every other way and every other name but that of Jesus Christ, our Lord, of the only comfort in life and in death. God is merciful. Look at the cross. Just and merciful. Just and merciful. God delivers us. Look at the cross. Deliver us from our actual sins and from our original sin because he is the head of another corporation, of another body, the body of the elect in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, I would say, beloved, cancel all your excuses. They cannot stand for a moment. Do not hold on to them even as children of God. Not even in your own life. Never say to God, you cannot punish me. Never say to God, you are merciful. Apart from your justice. But, have your only comfort in life and in death and our faithful Savior Jesus Christ who delivered us from all the dominion and power of sin and the devil forever. Amen. Thanks, O Lord, for thy goodness, for thy word, for thy truth. Oh, we are so weak and so sinful that we cannot and will not understand and hear thy word. But, O oh Lord, thy word is powerful. Let it be addressed to us by thy Holy Spirit that we may believe and live. Amen.